Blessed Assurance and welcome to Kingdom Christian Fellowship, KCF. We reveal the reality of the Kingdom of God and Christ Jesus in the lives of people all over the world. As you listen to this message, we pray that you are blessed and inspired to improve your relevance in the Kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Good evening. And I hope each and every one of you are doing well by God's grace. You are all welcome to tonight's summer experience. This is the second edition of our four weeks of teachings and learnings. And I believe you are all doing well by God's grace. I believe last week, Bishop Botry had the opportunity and the privilege to take us through a very awesome time in the presence of God. We learned about kingdom connections. And I believe that it is a very important lesson that is necessary for each and every one of us as believers, even as we are growing our faith, as we are growing in our walk with God. And so once again, you are all welcome to tonight's session. And I pray that you'll be blessed. I pray that even as you join in, you share the link with a friend. You share the link with your fellow classmates so that they are all blessed even by this time of fellowship. Amen. I want to just open up our mouths and just pray for a minute or two. We are thanking God for tonight. We are thanking God for this opportunity. We are blessing God for this privilege to even gather around his feet and even to hear his word. The Bible said in the book of Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16, it said that I found your words and I ate them. I found your words and I ate them. We are praying, we are telling God that, Father, may we find your word and may we receive grace to be able to eat your word. May we find your word and may we receive grace to eat your word. Child of God, you want to lift up your voice right now, wherever you are, even as you've connected. Just bless the name of the Lord. Thank God. Pray and tell God that, Father, may I find your word tonight. May I find your word. Even as your word comes between your servant and between my heart, the space being revelation, you are telling God that, Father, may I receive revelation. May I receive insight. May I hear the very words of Christ that faith will be built up, that my life will be charged up even by the power of your word. The Bible said that the disciples said that we will give ourselves continually to the ministry of the word and to prayer. I want to tell God that, Father, in this time of receiving your word, let the word of God come and transform me. Let the word of God come and equip me. Let the word of God come and make me a better person, even by the power of the word, by the power of the word, by the power of the word. Lift up your voice, somebody. Lift up your voice, somebody. And tell God that, Father, let this word transform me. Let this word edify me. Let this word build me up. And may I be a better believer even at the end of this session. In the mighty name of Jesus have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Once again, on behalf of our Father and the Lord, Apostle Kinsley J. Godson, and the campus pastor for KCF, Ashesi, Reverend Roland, I'd like to welcome each and every one of you to tonight's second edition of KCF Ashesi Summer Experience. And like I said in the beginning, this is the second edition of our teachings. Um, there will be a few more teachings in the course of this month that are aimed at making sure that even as we are on vacation, even as we are on break, we don't take a break away from our work with God. I believe that about three or four weeks ago, um, we've had fire camp, we've received an impartation of fire, and these are the things that we do to make the fire that we've received stay within us and actually spread to other people. So let's be full partakers of everything that is going on here so that 
we can be full beneficiaries of our time. Amen. This evening, I have a very short message um, to share with us, and it is regarding money in the kingdom. Money in the kingdom. And so I have titled it, How to Use the Lord's Money. How to Use the Lord's Money. How to Use the Lord's Money. My uncle scripture is from the book of Matthew chapter 25 and verse 15. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 15. In the book of Matthew 25, Jesus Christ gave us certain parables. One of the parables he gave was of a man who was traveling to a far country who called his servant and gave them talents. So in the book of Matthew 25 verse 15, the Bible says, And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. And the Bible said that to every man according to his several ability, and straight away he took his journey. The Bible said that a certain man was traveling to a far country, and he called servants to himself. To one he gave five, to one he gave two, and to another he gave one. Now I know that largely whenever we look at this text, whenever we look at this scripture, we refer to talents as giftings or abilities. We refer to talents as giftings or abilities. But when you look at the text carefully, the Bible converts um, talents into currency or into money. It converts the talents there into currency or into money. So in as much as there's a prophetic meaning to this verse or to these verses, there's also a contextual meaning to these verses. And so talents there refers to money or currency. And so I want us to look at this verse literally in its raw sense. The Bible said that the master or the owner of the home, he gave one five, he gave one two, and he gave one one. So what did he give them? Money. He gave each and every one of his servants money according to their ability. According to their ability. Now when I'm talking about money here, I'm not talking about spiritual money. I'm talking about money that we hold, legal tender. So money that we all hold, our five CDs, our one CD, our two dollars, three pounds, legal tender money. That is what I'm talking about. And we want to look at its place in the kingdom or its place for us as children of God. Now, I believe that money is something that we cannot shy away from. For us as believers and even for unbelievers, it is one common thing that we all use. It's one common thing that we all engage. And if you actually study the Bible, you realize that there are so many instances where even Jesus spoke and made references to money. So money is a critical part in our life, in our journey on this earth, and even in the life to come, even though many of us don't give it much attention. And so this evening, I want us to just spend a few minutes trying to understand how to use the Lord's money. So the first thing I said is that money is a revealer. Money is a revealer. Whenever anybody comes to have money or comes to own money, it reveals the intent and the motives of the heart. It reveals the intent and the motives of the heart. So Jesus said that where your treasure is or where your money is, heart will also be so there's a connection between money and our heart with a real person or a real self so money is a revealer whenever we have money it reveals our intent it reveals our motives and unfortunately when men trust in uncertain riches they substitute their trust in god for their trust in uncertain riches 
So money is a revealer. And each time our heart moves in the direction of money rather than being firmly planted in God, then that ourselves are also gravitating away from God. So money is a revealer. And like I said earlier, money plays an important part in the lives of each and every one of us. Whether we like it or not, money cannot be down for us as children of God and even for people in the world. You cannot downplay the importance of money. Now, there's a certain distinction that I want to bring to money. I believe that there are two types of money, if you want to put it. There's what we call material money or material financial wealth and there's spiritual financial wealth. So this is the distinction I want to bring to the two. I believe that there's material financial wealth and there's spiritual financial wealth. Now, the main difference between these is that material financial wealth is temporal or is temporary. And then spiritual financial wealth is eternal or it has eternal value. So these are the two main differences that exist between material financial wealth and spiritual financial wealth. Now, I want us to look at something concerning the life of Moses in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 to 26. Hebrews 11, 24 to 26. The Bible said that by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The emphasis is on verse 26. The Bible said that he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had a respect on the recompense of the reward. So the Bible here is talking about the man called Moses or the prophet called Moses. And the Bible said that the man called Moses, he had an opportunity to choose between spiritual financial wealth and material financial wealth. And the Bible said that Moses that I would look back on material financial wealth and look for spiritual financial wealth. Because if we know the story of Moses, we know he was born, yes, into a Hebrew family, but because of the situation or the order of the day, his mother had to let him go in order for him to live. And he was brought up in the home of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was the ruler of Egypt, and Egypt was the power of the day, the power of the world. And so material wealth was abundant to Moses, even in his upbringing. But the Bible said that at the critical age of 40, when God appeared to him, Moses decided that even though I have been brought up in money, so to speak, or around money, he said that I will cast my mind, I will cast everything that I know on God, and I will look back, and I will not look back on the financial wealth or the wealth of the day. So Moses was a particular, is a particular example for us when we are talking about the distinction between material financial wealth and spiritual financial wealth. Material financial wealth and spiritual financial wealth. Now, another thing I want to clarify is that money is not evil. Money is not evil. Many believers often like to live under the deception that money is an evil thing. And if you have too much money or you have some amount of money, it's more or less going to lead you to evil. But it's not true. If we look at what the Bible said in the book of Revelation chapter 5 verse 12, the Bible speaks about seven things that are due the Lamb of God. It said that worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, to receive wisdom, to receive strength, honor, glory, blessing, and riches. So even the Lamb of God 
seated upon the throne, one of the things that you cannot take away from him is that he has riches. The Bible said that we know our, our Lord God, that for he became poor for our sake so that we will become rich. So riches is something that is tied to God. Riches is not devoid of God. God is actually the source and the owner of every form of true riches. So money is not evil. Money is not a bad thing. So as believers, we shouldn't shy away from trying to understand or seeking to appreciate the value or the place of money in our work and in our journey here on earth. It is actually to our benefit that we understand and we appreciate the place of money in the kingdom of God and why God has given us the opportunity to come into contact with it. Now in the book of Haggai chapter 2 verse 8, Bible said that the silver is mine, the gold is mine. This was an utterance that God was making. He said that the silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, if you look at the word money here, or if you look at the word silver here, the word silver is the word money. So he said that the money is mine and the gold is mine. Now, for those of you who speak French, you know the word argent. Argent is money. In French, argent is money. So it's the same word here, silver, that he replaces as money. So he said that the money is mine, the gold is mine. So God is the source god is the originator of every form of true wealth or every form of riches and we must appreciate and understand the value of it if you look at the book of exodus chapter 3 when the children of israel were leaving um, egypt when god had such a great favor of them said that the egyptians gave all the wealth of egypt to them in a night the purpose of money was revealed to us Bible said that when God had given all the wealth of Egypt to the Israelites by favor, it was to the purpose that they would build the house of God. So in the book of Exodus chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, he said, And I will give these people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. So God doesn't want us to be empty when it comes to money. Then he said in the verse 22, But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver, money, and jewels of gold, money, and raiment, and you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and you shall spoil the Egyptians. So the Bible makes us understand that the purpose of God giving them the wealth of Egypt was to the end that when they are leaving, they will go and they will go and build his house. So when they had left Egypt and they moved into the wilderness, we look at Exodus chapter 4. When they had got into the wilderness, the Bible makes us understand that Moses told them, bring all the gold ornaments, bring all the silver that you are taking from Egypt. We are going to melt them and we are going to use them to build the artifacts for the tabernacle or for God's house. So for us as believers, one critical thing we must understand is that every form of wealth that we come into contact to, everything that regards riches, that we come into contact to is for the building or for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Our money, our riches, and the source of it and everything that we get concerning it is for the building and it's for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Now, one thing we must also understand is that there are certain characteristics that I want us to pay attention to when it comes to money. There are certain characteristics that I want us to pay attention to when it comes to money. And we are going to take majority of these characteristics from Jesus and his 
various teachings that he did when he was here on earth. In the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 to 24, Matthew 6, 22 to 24, Jesus Christ spoke extensively about money and about serving God. And so we realize that in this particular text, the only thing that God or Jesus Christ actually equated to serving or comparing to him was money. He said that you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. So we must realize or appreciate that one key thing that will always try to compete or fight for our love or our service for God is money. And so whenever we don't put money in the right context or have a right understanding of it, then there comes the problem. So for us as children of God and even for us, even as students on campus, even at this young age, it is important that at this very crucial stage of our life, we look for and begin to appreciate the place and the value of money even in our lives. So Jesus Christ said that you cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. So he said that choose ye this day whom you shall serve when you are speaking to Joshua. And for us, I believe that this question is posed to us on a daily basis. Every day we are placed or we are given the choice of whether to serve God or whether to serve money. But our right understanding of money, our right understanding of the Lord's money, if you want to put it, will see to it that we have, we, have, we have a right choice at the end of the day. Now, another thing I want us to pay attention to, like I said earlier, in the book of Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, he said that for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What am I saying? I'm simply saying that where your money is, there your heart goes. Where your money is, there your heart goes. How many of us ever put our monies in men's gold by show of hand? Okay, I'm sure at this point in time you are in the comfort of your home so you can lift up your hand and say whether you did or you know somebody who did. You realize that for some of these people, some of them even lost their lives because where their money is, there their heart was also. So it's the same thing for us. Where our money is, there our heart is. So if your money is in the house of God, if your money is in the kingdom of God, if your money is for the things of God, then your heart will be with God. So where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Then another point I want us to establish, or another characteristic I want us to pay attention to, is that we are to make friends with worldly wealth or with material financial wealth. So we will enter into true spiritual wealth. Now, remember I said that the, one of the distinctions or the main distinction when it comes to money is that there's material financial wealth and there's spiritual financial wealth. And here what I'm saying is that the way you are able to enter into spiritual financial wealth is by your material financial wealth. So whereas people use their material financial wealth to do things that please them, you are to use your material financial wealth to gain spiritual financial wealth. And so in the book of Luke chapter 16, verse 9 to verse 11, he said, And I say to you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, material financial wealth. He says, so that when you fail, you may receive you into everlasting habitations. Then he said in verse 10, He that is faithful in that which is least is also faithful in that which is much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Then he said in verse 11, my emphasis, he said, If therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, material financial wealth, 
who will commit to your trust true riches and yet the true is talking about spiritual financial wealth and the spiritual financial wealth we are talking about things like revelation we are talking about things like the presence of god we are talking about things like the anointing we are talking about things like gifts of healings we are talking about things like miracles these are the true financial wealth that we should be looking for these are the things that make for spiritual financial wealth because these things they are not just going to be in this life but they'll be also in the life to come so the bible said that we should make friends unrighteous mammon so that we can have spiritual financial wealth or true riches so these are three characteristics i want us to take note of when it comes to our dealings with money our dealings with money and now i want to move to the chunk of the lesson and here i will be speaking on the principles or how to use the lord's money the principles or how the how to use the lord's money we've spoken about money we've spoken about certain characteristics about money and now i want to focus or delve in to the chunk of the lesson which is on how to use the lord's money how to use the lord's money now i know for many of us we may be saying that we are young people and we don't have so much financial wealth um, at our disposal right now but i believe that if we are able to learn or appreciate the word of god concerning money at this very age it will go a long way to help us and so we want to look at the how when it comes to using the lord's money the how when it comes to using the lord's money now the first thing i want us to take note of is that we must give ourselves to god first when we talk about money when we talk about how to use the lord's money it's not about going straight to find money or to get money it's about surrendering our lives to god first now i know for some of you who are engaging things like cryptocurrency engaging things like forex trading one of the first things you are always looking for is you are looking for the first amount of money that you are going to use to help you start your trades or help you start um, um your purchasing of your first form of stocks or something like that but when it comes to god when it comes to the kingdom mindset about money it is about first of all giving or surrendering ourselves to the lord why because we said where your heart is there your treasure will be also so our heart must first be with god so that we can observe what god wants us to do so in the book of proverbs chapter 23 verse 26 the bible said that my son give me your heart so that your eyes will observe my ways so if your heart is not with god your eyes cannot observe his ways your heart must first be with god for you to be able to observe his ways when it comes to how to use the lord's money so i say here that the first point on how to use the lord's money is that we must give ourselves to god first we must give ourselves to god what first in the book of 2 corinthians chapter 8 where paul was talking about his visit to the church in macedonia he said something in the verse 5 which is very significant he said and this they did as we hoped but they first gave their own selves to the lord and unto us by the will of god now paul was talking about this church was praising them for their generosity was praising them for the ability to give towards the kingdom of god but he said one thing he realized one thing he noticed about this church was that everybody gave themselves to god first before their money so again 
the point I'm making still stands. He said that the first thing we must do is that we must give ourselves to God first. We must give ourselves to God first. So until we bring ourselves, we cannot bring our possessions. Until we bring ourselves, we cannot bring our possessions. Now a typical example, a classic example, is the life of a couple called Ananias and Sapphira. Now, at this point in time, in the book of Acts chapter 4, the church had been given, everybody in the church had been bringing their possessions. The Bible talks about um, Joseph, who brought his possessions to the world. People had been selling off their properties. So Ananias and Sapphira just also wanted to enter the euphoria of the moment. And they also said, you know what, let's go and sell our property and also bring the proceeds. But because they had not given themselves to God first, they did it under a dubious means. So when they came before Peter, who was the senior pastor of the day, or the apostle of the church, Peter asked them, is this the full amount of the sale of the land that you said you were bringing to the Lord? And Ananias lied and said yes. And the Bible makes us understand that straight away he fell down dead. His wife was called to come and corroborate the story, and she came and also lied just as her husband did. Now, I believe strongly that one of the reasons why Ananias and Sapphira failed the test of giving was because their heart was not with God. They just wanted to do it for showmanship. They just wanted to gain the recognition of people in the church that this couple has also contributed to the building of the house of God. But all they needed to understand was that God wanted their hearts first. Because if their hearts were with God, then their eyes could observe God's ways. See that when I'm coming to God and all I, I want to give or all I have purpose to give is a CD and I put that CD down, then I have done it out of sincerity. I have done it from a genuine heart. But when I come and I want to be cranked up, when I come, I want to look at what somebody is doing and try to outdo that person, then I have not given my heart to the Lord. So we must give ourselves to God first. We must give ourselves to God first when it comes to how to use the Lord's money. That's the first point. So if, if, you, if you are watching me right now, you are listening to me right now, you've not surrendered your life to God, you've not given your life to Christ, but you are generous if you want to put it to the church you are generous to the things of god i submit to you that yes it's a good thing that you are doing but god wants your heart first that is the most important thing that god needs in the kingdom god wants your heart first god wants your heart first now i know that many people will say oh if i'm giving to the church then that should be it so far as i don't come to church so far as i'm not involved in anything related to church but my money is going i'll be fine but that's not the clarion call here. God wants you. When God can have you, then he can have anything concerning you or anything around you. So the first rule or the first principle when it comes to how to use the Lord's money is that we must live a life of surrender to God. We must live a life of surrender to God. We must live a life of surrender to God. Now the second point or the second way on how to use the Lord's money is the principle of ownership. The principle of ownership. And here, what, what do I mean by the principle of ownership? What I'm saying here is that we must come to a place where we recognize that we don't own anything, but we are just stewards of everything. We don't own anything, but we are stewards of everything. We are just stewards of all the things that God has given us, be it children, be it financial wealth, be it businesses, be it the, 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 the excellence in our education. We don't own any of these things. We are just stewards of them. We are just stewards of them.
So the Bible makes us understand in the book of Psalm 24, verse 1, the Bible said that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He said that the world and they that dwell therein. So God says that the earth is mine. Everything you see around in the earth, every, everything, every single thing you see move in the beds of the air, you see people, I own everything. I own everything. I own everything. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, he said that what do you have that was not given to you? Everything we own, everything we claim to have, it is not ours. We are just stewards. We are like caretakers of those things. And in the same vein, it, 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 it happens to us when we talk about money. Every money that comes into our possession, every money that comes into our hands, we do not own it. We are just stewards. We are just caretakers. And so this principle of ownership, it shapes our mindset when it comes to money. So that if God maybe comes to you, say in a dream, or and says that put this amount of money maybe towards the building of the house of God or support this brother in the house of God. You will not get up from that dream and say that this money is mine and so I'm going to do as I please. But you will heed the voice of God because of the principle of ownership. So the principle of ownership is what more or less adjusts or shapes our mind whenever money comes into our possession. So the principle of ownership is the second point we must pay attention to when it comes to how to use the Lord's money. Now, I jokingly tell people that one of the richest moments in my life was when I was a student on campus. Because at this point in time, you don't have water bills, you don't have light bills, you don't need to buy diapers, you don't need to buy a nice thing for your wife. It is just you and your academics. But most of the time, because we don't have the principle of ownership well adjusted in our minds, we tend to think that those monies belong to us and we spend those monies most of the time in very flippant ways. But if this principle can be etched in our minds, even from this young time, it will be able to help us and guide us along the journey that any money that comes into our possession, be it a gift, be it income that our parents give us, whatever it is, be it a stipend, you know that this money, number one, it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God and God must guide me in the place of how to use that money. The third principle I want us to pay attention to is the principle of usage. And this principle is tied to the principle of ownership. If you have a good understanding of ownership or the principle of ownership when it comes to money, then it will drive or shape your use of the money. It will drive or it will shape your use of the money. So, for example, in the book of Matthew chapter 25, talking about the parable of the talent. When the master came from his journey, one person came and said that I have multiplied the talents that you gave me. The one with two talents came and also said, I have also multiplied the talents that you gave me. But the person who had been given one said, I know that you are an astute and a wicked leader or a wicked master. And I have buried the talent that you gave me. Because he had a wrong understanding of the principle of use, he buried the money rather than put the money to use. So the master said, even if you had given the money to the exchanges, it would have brought me some form of interest. So our principle or the understanding of the principle of use is very beneficial if we are going to be a people who will handle the Lord's money very well. So the principle of use, and it is directly connected to the principle of ownership. Then the next point or the fourth point I want us to look at is the principle of purpose. Purpose. The late Dr. Miles Monroe said that when purpose of a thing is not known, then abuse is inevitable. So purpose is key in life. 
whenever we have a right purpose governing or shaping whatever it is that we are doing it helps us it brings us to the place of accomplishment it brings us to the place of fulfilling vision so purpose is key and so in the book of matthew chapter 25 and verse 21 he said his lord said unto him well done thou good and faithful servant you have been faithful over a few things i will make you ruler over many now the servant who had been given five the servant who had been given to they had purpose or they had an understanding of purpose they knew what their master wanted they knew the end goal of their master so they applied themselves to what their master wanted the bible says that the children of this world they are in their generation wiser than the children of light why they apply themselves to that which works for them so purpose is key if we are going to be a people who will be able to appreciate the lord's money and how to use it then we must have purpose firmly planted in our hearts we must have family purpose firmly planted even on our eyes so the bible makes us understand that this servant or the two servants one who had been given five the other who had been given two they had a good understanding of the purpose of the master's money or the lord's money and when it comes to purpose one key thing that is important is that we have to buy into the wisdom of god. what is the wisdom of god the wisdom of god is simply the ways of god if we are going to be a people who will walk in purpose then we must buy into the wisdom of god the bible said that wisdom is profitable to direct and the bible makes us understand in the book of james that the wisdom of god is different from the wisdom of this world the wisdom of God comes with God's own ways of doing things. But the wisdom of this world is very sensual, it's earthly. So we are to buy into the wisdom of God if we are going to be a people who will walk in purpose. Amen. Now the fifth point I want to make is the principle of faithfulness. The principle of faithfulness. In the book of Luke chapter 16, verse 9 to 11, like we read, and if you look at verse 10 to 13, also of that same Luke chapter 16, he spoke about the fact that we are to be faithful when it comes to unrighteous mammon. The more we prove our faithfulness, the more we prove that this has been committed to us and we have multiplied it, the more the master can trust us with more of money. So our faithfulness with money is very key. Our faithfulness with money that the master gives us is very key. If indeed ownership is not ours, ownership belongs to the master and we are just stewards, then we must be very critical when it comes to the place of faithfulness. And here I'm using faithfulness as a sense or in the sense of multiplication. Our ability to multiply what the master gives us is very key. When it comes to the Lord's money, multiplication of that which the master has given to us is very important. We see it again in the book of Matthew 25 when he spoke about the talent. 5 multiplied to 10, 2 multiplied it to 4. But the person with 1 went and buried his. And we saw the distinction between those who multiplied and those who buried. Those who were faithful and those who were unfaithful. And you see, the more we are faithful in the unrighteous mammon, the more God can commit to us the true financial wealth that we are talking about. The more he commits to us the anointing. The more you are able to give, the more he commits to you deep dimensions of getting to know him. The more he commits to you more of himself because he knows that your trust is not in uncertain riches, but your trust is in the living God. So the principle of faithfulness is key. Then another principle or another 
way we are to use the Lord's money is that we must be honest when it comes to the Lord's money. We must be honest when it comes to the Lord's money because we will give account. In the book of Matthew chapter 25 verse 19, the Bible said that after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and he reckoneth with them or he did an accounting process with them. So it looked like the master was not going to come soon. So the servants were probably having a field day or some of the servants were having a field day. Some thought, oh, our master is gone on a very long journey and it will take a long time for him to appear. But all of a sudden and out of nowhere, the master just appeared on the scene and he said, bring the books. It is time for me to do an accounting process with you and find out the money I gave you, what did you use it for? So whether we like it or not, we must be honest in our dealings with money. Whatever money God gives to us, we shouldn't just treat it as something that is a loose thing, but we must be honest because there will be an accountability period or there will be a reckoning period for each and every one of us. So the more we are able to see that honesty when it comes to money, accountability when it comes to money is important, the more the Lord will commit more of the wealth that we are talking about here to us. Then the ninth, the, the next principle I want to talk about is the principle of giving. Whenever the Lord gives us money, one of the things he will be looking for is giving. Giving. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and verse 7, he said that, but I, this I say, he who sows sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which sows bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So he's talking about giving and about receiving. And he said that if you give more, you are going to get more. If you give less, you are going to get less. The Bible said in the book of Genesis chapter 8 verse 20, he said that as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. So there's a principle in place here that when you put something down in the ground, it's going to multiply. And he's telling us here that when we give small, we'll reap small. When we give more, we'll reap more. But look at my, the emphasis in the verse 7. He said that every man, according as he has purpose in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for, for God loves their forgiver. So giving is a critical component of the Lord's money. You cannot have in your possession or in your stewardship the Lord's money and not be a giver. The attitude, the lifestyle of giving is a way of life in the kingdom. Believers are givers. The Bible said that for God so loved the world that he gave. And we are expected to catch the same spirit of being givers. I had a particular story of a, a man of God. And he said that one of the reasons why he was attracted to his beloved, who eventually became his wife, was that she was a giver. He recounted the story and said that often when he would be preaching, when he was in university, he would go to different rooms. And when he would go to certain rooms, people were ready to just hear the word and not even listen and not even give him even a cup of water. But he said every time he would go to the room that his beloved was in, she would always offer him water, always offer him a meal. And he was making a point and said that we must learn to be givers. And he made reference to the point that even Abraham was able to entertain or host angels because of a lifestyle of giving. So giving is very important when it comes to the kingdom. A critical lifestyle that we must adopt in the kingdom is the lifestyle of giving. So Paul said in the book of Acts 20 verse 35, he said that it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Then 
the final principle I want to talk about is the principle of work. The principle of work. Most of the time, many believers like to live under the illusion that you don't need to work. God is just going to throw money down at you from above. But it's not true. In the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, he said, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Verse 11, he said, that For we hear that there are some which work among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. And Paul was making this point because as he was going about his various missionary journeys, he was a tent maker. And wherever he would find himself, he would set up shop or he would set up business and would begin working. And in the course of him working, he will use his work, he will use his vocation, he will use his profession to also share the gospel. And so work is also another way that God wants us to be responsible when it comes to how to use the Lord's money. So our ability to appreciate the principle of work or the value of work is also very important when it comes to how to use the Lord's money. So the Lord wants us to work and work with the money that he entrusts into our hands. We cannot downplay the value or the importance of work. Now to wrap up the teaching, I want to talk about how to attract the Lord's money. How to attract the Lord's money. The first point I want to make is that we must get rid of pride. If we are going to be a people who will attract the Lord's money, then we must be a people who do away with every form of pride. In the book of Proverbs chapter 23, verse 5, Bible said, Will thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward What's the Bible telling us here? The Bible is just telling us here that money develops from, for itself wings and it can fly. Maybe you can see a group of people, you can see a particular person. They may be wealthy today, but tomorrow that world all of a sudden somehow just disappears and it just does not seem to make sense. But that is how wealth is. And so God wants us to know that if we are going to be a people who will attract wealth, who will attract his money, then we must get rid of pride. The Bible said that God resists the proud, but he gives more grace or grace to the humble. So if we are going to be a people who will attract the Lord's money, attract the Lord's will, then we must be a people who do away with every form of pride. Point number two, don't trust in uncertain riches. I know many of us are young and oftentimes because we don't know how life looks, we don't know how life is dealing with us and maybe... At certain points in time in our lives, our parents seem to do a lot for us. It's easy for us to trust in the wealth of our parents. It's easy for us to trust in the fact that maybe we have a job or something doing that is bringing a steady form of income. But in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, it said that charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. So whether you have wealth, whether you don't have wealth. The Bible said that your trust should be in the living God. Your trust should be in the living God. So if you are going to be able to attract the Lord's money, then don't trust in uncertain riches. Don't put your hope in uncertain riches. Like we read from Proverbs 23 verse 5, money develops for itself something like wings and it flies away from one home to another or from one person to another. And it takes grace, it takes humility for you to be able to attract this world that we are talking about. Point number three is that you must be a kingdom giver. 
be a kingdom giver. The Bible said in the book of Luke 6, 38, it said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. One thing we must all desire as children of God, one lifestyle, one mindset we must develop is that we must be givers. And one thing I want to explain here on giving is that don't always out of your abundance. Give even when you don't have much. Don't always strive to give only when you have more. Give even when you have very little. Maybe somebody comes into your room. You have maybe just one juice box or you have maybe just a biscuit. Be able to give that one juice box and the biscuit even when that's all that you have. Don't wait to give only when you have abundance or you have more. That's one of the ways we can build the lifestyle or catch the spirit of giving. Number four is that we must have a good character. We shouldn't be dubious in our dealings with money. When people entrust money into our hands, we shouldn't be dubious with it. We should be people of integrity. We should be people who are honest. The Bible makes us understand that Abraham, when he had gone into battle with his servant and he was coming back, he said that I will not take anything before you come and say, you are the one who made Abraham rich. So he was a man of integrity. He was honest in his dealings when it came to money. Then point number five is you must use money by God's wisdom. If you will be a person who will attract the Lord's money, you must use money by God's wisdom. And then point number six, be ready to distribute or be ready to communicate. And at this particular point, I'm making it in reference to the book of Galatians chapter 6, where it talks about honoring or giving to those who are spiritual authorities. The more you are able to give to spiritual authorities, the more you are able to honor spiritual authorities with your wealth, the more their anointing is able to speak for you, the more their intercession avails for you, the more their graces fights and speaks for you. So we should be able and we should be willing to distribute or communicate to those who teach us. So these are at least five or six points on how to attract the Lord's money. In wrapping up, I just want us to spend a few minutes in prayer. We are praying, we are telling God that, Father, help me handle financial wealth. Help me handle financial wealth. Even from this young age, even from this tender age that I'm at, or even at this point in my life that I'm at, I want to be able to handle financial wealth very well, even by the standards of the kingdom or even by the way of the kingdom. Now, I, I was telling you earlier, I was saying that one of our wealthiest moments, I believe, is especially when we are students. Because at this point in time, we often don't have too many expenses. And so this is the best time for us to build our our, our, our skill, the best time for us to build our grace when it comes to wealth or when it comes to the Lord's money. You want to open up your mouth right now in this minute or two. You are telling God that, Father, help me to be able to learn how to use the Lord's money, even as this tender age, even as a child of God, even as a child of the kingdom. May I be found faithful when it comes to the Lord's money. Now, in the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 38, the Bible said that how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. The word doing good there, it talks about philanthropy. And you see, most of the time when we talk about philanthropy, we are looking at rich people, the Bill Gates, the Elon Musk. But Jesus Christ, with all the anointing, he was philanthropic in his nature. In other words, he was a person who knew how to use the Lord's money. You want to just open up your mouth in this minute or two. You are telling God that, Father, help me. Let the anointing upon my life teach me how to use the Lord's money. Let the anointing.
teach you how to use the Lord's money. May you not be a person who is wasteful when it comes to the Lord's money. May you be ready to use the Lord's money by the wisdom of God, by the leading of God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, which he bless each and every one of you for joining in. And as I rightly said, this is the second edition of the KCF Ashesi Summer Experience. And next week, Tuesday, same time, God willing, another minister, another servant of God will be coming your way to share the word of God with you, to encourage you, to help you, and, and, and give the word of God to you so that your life and your, 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 your stay during this vacation will not be a normal one, but it will be one that will be charged up. It will be one that will be edified as well. And even in the spirit of the message that we've heard, you have an offering, you have um, a seed, you have any blessing you want to send, um, you have the KCF Momo numbers, you can just send your offerings um, um, into those na um, onto those accounts, even with your bank apps or even with your Momo platforms right now. God, which he bless each and every one of you for joining in and for tuning in. With your hands lifted up, wherever you are under the sound of my voice, we want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the lives of these ones. We thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to sit under your feet, Lord. Father, we know that distance is not a barrier. Just as you met Eldad and met, met that, oh God, by even sending some of the spirit that was upon Moses upon them. Father, let the same anointing upon this commission work for your people. Wherever they are, oh God, under the sound of my voice, oh God, let the spirit of giving, let the grace of how to use the lord's money come upon them in the mighty name of jesus have we prayed amen god will bless you bye bye thank you for listening to this message if you were blessed by this share it with someone and be an agent of impactful change for the kingdom of god god bless you